Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in on this Sunday evening. I'm so glad you're with me. I know if you were with us last Sunday, you enjoyed Pastor Josh and all the great things that he had to share with us on the program here. And we're excited to be with you as Answers from Antioch. Here we are, brand new year, first month, uh, third Sunday of the month, if I'm looking at the calendar correctly. Here we are, and I'm excited that we have some time together. New beginnings. And a verse that's been on my mind is Psalm 37. Well, the entire psalm has been on my mind and heart, uh, but particularly verse 7. And I think this is an important verse for us with the things that's happening in the world. You know, man, this is going to be a, uh, a year that changes are going to be made, good or bad, they're going to be made in this year, 2024. Uh, I was reading some information from a uh, watchdog group who watches the world as far as persecution against Christians and against churches, and 2023 was a record year of violence against Christians and violence against churches around the world. More than 5,000 Christians martyred for their faith just because they were Christians. And that was in 2023. So I'm telling you, 2024 is going to be a year that you and I are to be prepared. We are to be full of faith, full of confidence. And Psalm 37 has a great answer for us. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. I think even the uh, Catholic Church Watchdog Group has also said that this past year uh, was a tremendous increase of anti-Christian actions and uh, just uh, persecution of Christians and persecution of churches. They believe 2024 was shaping up already to be just as bad, maybe worse. But should we be surprised? Well, the answer is no. Uh, the more people turn against Jehovah God, the more they turn against our Lord Jesus, then the more they're going to hate the church that represents him. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we see these things happening. So what should we do? Should we wring our hands? Should we hide in the somewhere in the back closet of the house and shut the door? Should we never go to church? Should we just close everything down? And, of course, the answer is no, no, no to everything that I suggested there. But there is an answer for us, knowing and seeing these things. Uh, our answer is found in Psalm 37. Actually, uh, the first seven verses for sure. Uh, and fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thy envious against the workers of iniquity, and then he goes on to tell us what to do. Trust in the Lord, verse 3, and do good, do right, do what you know God wants you to do. So shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So trust, 
delight. That means find great joy in. And verse number five, commit thy way unto the Lord. That means you leave it with him. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. Trust, delight, commit. And I love verse seven. And he, in verse six, let's read that. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness. He is going to do it. He'll bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Notice verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The Lord, of course, capitalized in your Bible, is Yahweh. It is the I am that I am, the redeeming one. Some have said it's all the names of God and the titles of God in one title, Lord. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. What are we to do in these days, in this new year, realizing the anti-Christian, anti-church attacks last year, the anti-Semitism against our Jewish friends that is uh, on the rise? Here's what we do. We trust in the Lord. Verse 3, we delight ourselves in the Lord. That means we just take not just great joy in the Lord. We commit, we roll everything over onto him, and he will bring it to pass. And then we rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. We are, can I say, completely confident that our Lord is going to handle every bit of it. He is in control. This snow has reminded me of that this past few days, the snowy weather we've had. It's reminded me as the question that our Lord asked Job in Job 38 and verse 22, uh, have you entered into the treasures of the snow or the treasures of the hail? Uh, Job, I'm in control of all of that. I have the treasure house of snow in essence. I've got the treasure house of hail. Uh, hey, it's all mine. It all belongs to me. I do it, Job. I do it. And have you been there, Job? And it reminds us of what verse 7 that David learned, Psalm 37, to rest in the Lord, have full confidence. He has it. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way. You and I have seen a tremendous increase in this wokeism, this DEI uh, stuff. We have seen a tremendous increase in that. But ladies and gentlemen, the question uh, came to me this week as I was reading and meditating and praying, and that is this. How long can people continue in what is absolute lie? and untruth. How long can they continue in that? The lie of gender change. You can change your gender. The lie of same-sex marriage. Uh, how long can people live in a lie and continue on in it? Well, it can't last forever. Eventually, a lie is proven to be totally destructive, and people are beginning to find that out. And in America, particularly, folks are waking up and saying, wait a minute, I've had this stuff shoved down my throat too long. You keep pushing this and pushing this, and it's crazy. We know it's not right. We know it's no scientific evidence of gender change. We know there's scientific proof there whatsoever. 
and common sense, Bible sense, it gives us the conviction here. Uh, we can say it this way, as Michael Brown said in a recent article he wrote, and that is, woke will not work. He's right. Woke will not work. And we understand it because a lie cannot continually be lived in until finally the results of that is so destructive people wake up. Take Nazism, for instance, with Hitler. All folks believe the lie. They believed the lie for a few years there. They destroyed millions of people, but then it began to dawn on individuals this cannot work. It began to be apparent to the German people. This is foolish thinking. How did we get so brainwashed? How did we become so uh, taken in by this? How did we believe a lie for this long? And I think that's what's going to happen in America. That's my prayer. But there's one thing I can do and one thing you can do in these days, not wring our hands, not hide in the closet, but get out there in our faith, bold in our faith, believing God, trusting God, faithful in church more than ever, we can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him and fret not because of Him who for a while seems to prosper in their way because of the man that brings wicked devices to pass. We see things that are happening in our culture and we'll say, how on earth can this happen? How could it happen in America? Who would have ever believed it? Yes, but he says, don't fret about it. Don't get to the place where you wring your hand, you pull your hair out, you hide in the closet, you cover your face, and you don't go to church, and you don't go anywhere, and you don't tell anybody about the greatness of Jesus. Listen, I will not live in fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, authority, and love, and a sound mind. And I'm, I'm thankful that He's given that to us. So here's what my plans are for this new year. And I'm asking God to hide these verses, these truths in my heart, make me more uh, real, uh, make them more real to me, and me more, uh, make it more of my life. Let's say it that way. Every day, that's my prayer, and my prayer for you as well. I, I want to give plenty of time to Pastor Josh. He's with us, our co-host of Answers from Antioch here on this Sunday evening. Uh, he's coming now to share some great information with us. Well, thank you, Pastor Brad, and thank you, dear friends, for joining us. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Answers from Antioch, brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. I want to piggyback on what Pastor Brad was sharing about the ongoing persecution, and really we're not just seeing ongoing, but we're seeing escalation in persecution against Christians all around the world. And I think that there is a good pattern for us to follow in Scripture, uh, some hope, if you will. And I want to share that example with you from the pages of Scripture and some very valuable lessons that we can learn and apply to these days that we live in and pray that the Lord would help us to see something similar happen in our day. He is able. And so I'm going to be sharing that with you. Before I launch into that, let me take just a second and invite you to connect with us. One of the best ways that you can do that is through our website. That's AntiochBristol.com. Again, that's AntiochBristol.com. While you're there, you'll find links to this program. 
whether it be the 30-minute weekend program you're listening to right now, whether that be our Monday through Friday 10-minute program. It's all available, archived on our website where you can access and listen directly from the church website. And also, if you have Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you can search Answers from Antioch and connect with us there. While you're on our church website, you can also access our Sunday sermons and the service videos that are archived there. So much more. As always, we extend an invitation to you to come worship with us at any and all of our services. we got two important special events happening very soon, special services. In February, we're having our annual Jubilee, and that's coming up very, very quickly. That starts on Sunday, February the 4th, our normal Sunday service schedule, Lord willing. But then also Monday through Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. we'll have services. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday morning, we will have 10 a.m. services. And we'll have about 10 or 12 different preachers uh, during the course of that uh, four days and wonderful services. We're just praying for a spirit of refreshing spiritual uh, restoration, spiritual refreshment from God Almighty, and that we would just be encouraged to keep going forward no matter what comes our way. And that's coming up in Jubilee. We extend an invitation to you to come worship with us during that special time of the year for us at Antioch. Uh, the service schedule in terms of the times and days and things like that is available on the church website, AntiochBristol.com. Also coming up March 8th and 9th, Antioch is hosting the Prophecy in the News live event for the Tri-Cities. We are excited about that. Of course, I get to serve the Lord as staff evangelist with Southwest Radio Ministries, and they were the ones putting this on. And Antioch gets to serve as the host. And so this is like a best of both worlds for me. And I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store. Anyone and everyone is welcome to come. Registration is free for the Prophecy in the News live event. And even though it's free, they do ask that people would register in advance. You can do so by going online to swrc.com backslash events. That's swrc.com backslash events. Or you can call 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144. Now, you can reach out to us here at the church, 276 669 4030-276-669-4030 if you've got questions about either of those events. We'd love to see you at both. And any Sunday, if you don't have a church home, you are invited to come to Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. I extend that personal invitation to you myself. Now, going to the theme that I wanted to share with you over the next few minutes that we have together tying in with what Pastor Brad was talking about in terms of persecution against the church and how that's ramping up, how it's escalating in the year 2024, and it's predicted to increase even more in the near future. We see things happening in Nigeria, for instance, that are going under the radar of world leaders, sadly, unfortunately, and Christians are being persecuted in mass in the country of Nigeria. We certainly need to be praying for our brothers and sisters there. We have some dear missionaries that we know and that we are praying for, even though they're in the quote-unquote safe zone 
the safe zone of the country of Nigeria is shrinking by the day as attacks go deeper and deeper and deeper into the quote-unquote Christian territories and regions of Nigeria. So let's be in prayer for that country. And there's many other countries that we could mention. We could spend a whole broadcast just rattling off situations that's happening across the world in various countries. And yet I'm reminded of a biblical example, a persecutor who became persecuted and a terrorist who was born again. The man that I'm speaking about is the famous and beloved Apostle Paul. But let's not forget who he was before he became the beloved Apostle Paul. He was a terrorist. He was hunting down Christians. He was a persecutor of Christians. If they had a most wanted list for uh, Christian persecutors during that time. Certainly the Apostle Paul had to be in the top 10, did he not? And he was authorized and equipped to go and hunt down Christians anywhere he could find them, arrest them. He stood by as they killed Stephen. They martyred Stephen, the first Christian martyr for the faith. He stood by and watched it all unfold no doubt he was gleeful, he was joyful as he presided over the circumstances and watched the life drain from Stephen's body. But as the life was draining from Stephen's body, his faith was ever-present on his lips. His love was ever-present on his lips, was it not? And it's, it's very similar, the words that Stephen used, to what Jesus said from the cross. As Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And as Jesus said, My Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In their dying breaths, both Jesus and Stephen offered forgiveness, offered love to those who were literally killing them. And this is so hard for us to grasp but I think that that display of love through Stephen really lodged in the heart of this man named Saul at the time. His name is yet to be changed to Paul, and certainly he was no apostle at this time. So Saul was greatly burdened and I think deeply convicted. How could Stephen, with his dying breath, whisper up a prayer to God and say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Don't hold this against them, God. And uh, we see that really struck a chord. It had to. Well, as the scripture rolls on in the book of Acts, it describes the scene as Saul is on the road to Damascus and he is going there to hunt down Christians, to arrest them, to bring them back to Jerusalem or whatever the case may be, just stamp out Christianity anywhere and everywhere he could find it. And as he's going, he is encountered by the resurrected Jesus Christ. And at that moment, his life is transformed forever. He goes from being a terrorist, being someone who hates Christianity, who hates Jesus, who feels like they're all just a bunch of blasphemous uh, idolaters, and he is totally transformed 
over the course of this time as he encounters the resurrected Jesus Christ. Think about the transformation that took place in his life through the power of the display of love through Stephen and through the Lord Jesus Christ and his encounter with God Almighty. Now, what does that have to do with the persecutors of our day? Don't we serve the same God? Is God not able to speak to their hearts in the same way? Do they not need God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness as much as anyone else? Yes, even more so than anyone else. But this same man, the Apostle Paul, would write about half the books of our New Testament. The New Testament contains 27 books, and Paul is responsible for about half that number. Isn't that remarkable? The transformation that God can work in someone's heart when they repent of their sins and turn to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul understood the truth. This man was transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ, by its truth. He realized it wasn't blasphemous. He realized it wasn't error. He realized, in fact, that he was the one who had been wrong. He is the one that misunderstood. He is the one that saw Christian love in action, Christian forgiveness in action through the life and the lips of Stephen, the first martyr for the faith. So as an older man, now he's in ministry, now he's serving the Lord, uh, writing these epistles, doing whatever he can, uh, anywhere, everywhere that he possibly can to advance the cause of Jesus Christ, any way that he possibly can. And as he writes to Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy, a great introduction about the church and, and how the church works together and labors together. Beautiful book of Scripture. And he's writing to Timothy as one of the leaders in the church and instructing him as a mentor, uh, Paul to Timothy. And we see in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, a beautiful statement, a summary of the good news and of where Paul came from and where he was and it says in verse 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. The Apostle Paul here says, I was the worst. I was a terrorist, if you will. I was against Christ. I was doing everything I could to oppose Christ, to oppose Christianity to tear down what Jesus had come to set up and to build. He said, I was totally against it and actively fighting it any way that I possibly could. And he considered himself to be the chief of sinners, the worst of the worst. Now, dear friends, here's a truth that we need to latch on to. If the Apostle Paul, in his terrorism against Christianity, in his persecution against Christianity, can be saved, who cannot be saved? You may be listening and you're looking for hope. You say, how could God love someone like me after all that I've done, after all the bad decisions that I've made, after all the times that I've rejected him, after all the times that I've accused him falsely? I see that I was wrong, but how could God ever love someone like me? If Jesus would reach down and save someone like the Apostle Paul and transform his life totally, would he not also do the same thing for you? If he could save the worst of sinners, the chief of sinners, certainly he can save you. Certainly he can transform your life. In fact, the truth of the matter is, 
There's no place that you can ever go too far to where the forgiveness of God cannot reach you, to where the grace of God cannot reach you, to where the mercy of God cannot reach you. What's grace? What's mercy? Mercy is simply not getting what we deserve. The Bible tells us the wages, the payment of sin is death. We deserve that. But mercy doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace gives us something we do not deserve. And that's Romans 6.23. The wages, the payment of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gracious gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, we've all sinned. Yes, we've all missed the mark. But the good news is Jesus offers you and whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, his gift of salvation, his gift of deliverance out of your sins, and he will give you his eternal life that will never end. If he did this for the chief of sinners, he will do it for you or for whoever. The persecutors that are in our world today, the people, the movements, the groups that are perpetrating this persecution upon Christians around the world, the grace of God can forgive them. Pray that they will have a Stephen moment, if you will. Pray that they will have a Saul moment, as Saul heard the words from Stephen's lips. Maybe God wants to use some of us to be like a Stephen, to portray the love and the radical forgiveness of Jesus Christ to those who are opposed to us, to those who are opposite of what we think. They need to understand the love, the forgiveness that comes from God. Maybe we need to begin as Christians to pray that way. Lord, use me as a Stephen. Now, that's a difficult prayer for us to pray as Christians because it would certainly push us out of our comfort zone, would it not? It would push us into a place that we may not be ready and willing to go. And if, that, if you're not there yet, if God isn't calling you to pray that way, don't pray that way. I'm not trying to put you under a guilt trip. I'm not trying to talk you into something that the Holy Spirit is not talking you into. But I just want to plant a seed in your mind as a Christian that you begin to think about, can I pray this? Is this something God would have me to pray? Is this something I ought to pray? Lord, if it's your will, use me to be like a Stephen, to show someone who hurts me, someone who wrongs me, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, and the true Christian love that's without conditions. Maybe that's something you need to pray as a Christian. Maybe you're listening as an unbeliever and you feel more like Saul and you know that you've opposed Christianity. You know you've gone against it and God the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and is impressing upon you. Yes, God will forgive you. You see, God didn't just send Jesus to encounter Paul as I used his name after it was changed, but he used other believers. Stephen wasn't the only one who offered radical forgiveness. Other believers came around Saul, who became Paul, and welcomed him into the life of the church. Sure, there were some that were scratching their heads saying, man, I don't know about this guy. That, that was the guy that was trying to kill us just a few weeks ago, and here he's showing up and saying he's one of us now, you know, I don't know about that. But there was people that God sent around him to welcome him, to disciple him, to help him to grow in the Lord. And then as he began to minister, and by the way, he didn't just launch straight into ministry after that transformation. There was a few years of maturity, 
that he went through before he launched into full-time ministry. And so sometimes we give the impression that Paul went from a terrorist to a preacher uh, traveling the world in about two days. No, that's not really what happened according to Scripture. If you study it out in the book of Acts, the book of Galatians bears some insight into these things. But the point that I'm making is that I believe that God can counter all the uh, anti-Christian persecution that's happening around the world through the gospel message And I think we have to go forward on our knees in prayer, praying for those who are being persecuted and praying in these specific ways that I've mentioned to you. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.